This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. It's a victory post-game edition of Spits and Suds. Hello, everyone. I am Gavin Spittle of 105.3 The Fan. Welcome to Spits and Suds. And i um, happy to be joined by David Castillo. His sub stack is Star Stack. And you can also uh, see him on uh, Twitter. Does a great job at David Castillo AC. How are you, David? From D Magazine as well. I was doing good until I was like needing to hold in a burp. Um, so oh, no. uh, yes, yes, the uh, I'm doing good. And, um, you know, of course, it's it's always you always feel a little bit better, um, you know, just in terms of as, as a sports fan when your team wins. So that kind of helps. Um, it didn't start out that way. And we don't have to like jump right into like the, the saga that is Nils Lundqvist. But um, but doing good. Uh, you know, it's. It's uh, kind of the calm before the storm, right? The holidays coming up, but not close enough that I have to start stressing. Yeah, absolutely. Or, or checking my bank account. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it, it's, it's a nice win. I do want to point out because um, one of the things that we try to do on this podcast is be objective. And just to let Stars fans know, I think when these two teams meet late in January in Detroit, you're going to notice a difference because... Um, this is a different Detroit team they threw out there uh, last minute as well. I mean, their whole fourth line was from Grand Rapids that they called up from the AHL. Uh, they also scratched uh, Justin Hall tonight, who's played in 20 games. Dylan Larkin went on the IR because of the hit he took Saturday night against the Sens. David Perron responded because he saw his captain flat on the ice. It was pretty scary to see, especially with Dylan Larkin's injury. Uh, history and he reacted to a high cross check that was dangerous as well the league came out and suspended him six games today so you were without some pretty top guys um right now in Perron and Larkin uh you also uh Billy Huso was their is their primary goalie he's been struggling so he was scratched as well tonight so just a different Detroit look team but hey you have to face who you have out there. And I think the stars clearly, as we all know, uh, played better than they did on uh, Saturday night, more aggressive as far as shots on net from the, the defenseman. Um, I, I'm excited to get into this Nils Lundqvist conversation with you as well, David, because this is something that you've been very vocal on. And I, I, I like that. And uh, I was kind of surprised that Nils Lundqvist didn't get another game. I thought the whole team looked bad on Saturday. So um, it's going to be tough for him to crack the lineup on a regular basis if you're playing in one game, sitting in another. Yeah, I, <laughs> you know, like it's it's tough to kind of talk about just because I feel like I've just done so much writing on the topic in general. Um, I, I think the other thing too is is the thing that I, to me, the oddest thing about the whole thing is that 
I think Lundqvist is, he's a player that sort of adds something to your blue line that it lacks, although he's lacking in something that your blue line already has, which is, you know, relatively kind of stout stay at home defense, you know, nothing like terribly special. Um, And so it, it just, it's bizarre to me. I mean, like, to me, I mean, like for me, though, it always comes down to this concept of de- development. And I'll try not to rant because, I mean, listen, it's a win. We want to keep it more upbeat. But what I'll just say is that, listen, whatever your reason is for Scratch and Lundquist, just say it. Don't tell me the NHL is not a development league. Because my question is then, well, okay, why? Why is that? Is it because you don't have time for you know slow development of young players? Well, if that's the case, then why the time for the rapid decline of older players? Not always, but sometimes. Um, is it because that you want to scratch a veteran and, and lose the room, as they sometimes say? <laughs> if that's the case, then is it a prospect's fault the coach doesn't have control of the room? Um, because teams need to win now. This is another like one. Well, my question is, if the imperative to win now, and this is like especially like appropriate for this game, if the imperative to win now is so intense that you can't tolerate a player's mistakes, then why not sit down a scorer that's like shooting cold or a goaltender that's getting leaky? I mean, these are both things that the team has experienced recently, but like Odinger, you know, his kind of his run this month. And, you know, we'll probably talk more about it. And then Robertson, who's, you know, had stretches where he's really struggled. So, I mean, it's just, it, that to me, like is not even beyond just being a bad excuse. It doesn't mean anything. Now, if you want to tell me that, listen, like Lundqvist is just simply not good enough right now, well, then that's fine. Because I do think there are things he struggles with. But um, but the last game was not the game to do it. And that just tells me that this era has just kind of come to an end. And um, Honka 2.0 is is official. <laughs> yeah. As, as much as I hate to say it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, 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 absolutely. And, you know, I'd say this as well. I mean, got off to a red hot, hot start, but... Boy, Wyatt Johnston has gone real cold. Uh, five games, one point. And uh, just really, you're not seeing much of him out there as far as just like, you know, the activity. You just felt as though the puck was always on a stick. And like, you know, tonight it was, you know, just, you know, he's out there, but you don't really hear it. It's really the first time that we've seen Wyatt Johnston go through a stretch like this. I think, um, you know, I, I think part of it in, and this is a thing that I usually uh, quote unquote complain about, <laughs> uh, which is that I just, I've never felt like that sort of that Ben Johnson, the Donoff line was necessarily what it showed us last season, because we had a pretty small sample size and I, I still feel like the offensive chemistry is there. I still feel like it's a thing. I think it's a thing that can come back, um, but they're not a complete line. And you see that in the defensive numbers. Um, they tend to get shellacked when they're on the ice. And so I think that probably has some, you know, ex- explanation in terms of like Wyatt Johnson getting going cold, which is that I still don't think it's it's one of the things that like nobody really talks about. But, uh, you know, the Wyatt Johnson line, I don't think is um, they're just not much of a thing this year. And I, I think it's a little bit is kind of a, a return to the mean, if you will, where yep. I mean, they just they don't generate a whole lot of chances. Well, this season, they're actually not generating a lot of offense in general never mind like goals i realize they're racking up points as a trio at even strength though they're not generating much and i think johnson's kind of being punished for that in addition to yeah you know sort of some of it's definitely him but i think it's kind of more on that line really not establishing what it had last year 
Yep. Sam Steele with two assists tonight, and it'll be oh, interesting. Man. I mean, we 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 talk about Nils Lundqvist and his inability to crack the lineup on a regular basis. Another young guy, another first round uh, draft pick, albeit Lundqvist, we got in a trade for a first round draft pick. So it's kind of like a first round draft pick. Um, Ty Delandria, uh, you know, another uh, scratch tonight. And I think that's going to be tough for Delandria to, to crack the lineup as well. You know, that's, it's, it's so interesting to me that, um, and again, what we'll sort of, you know, we'll get away from the quote unquote negativity in, in a bit. Sure. <laughs> absolutely. I, uh, I do think that it's so interesting that, like I said, I, I'm still a Delandria fan. I still think there's serious potential there. And, um, and I, there are a lot of things you can kind of look at. Um, but I think the main thing is that when you look at Dallas's forward lineup, the fact that you have Sam Steele, who has quality NHL experience as a potential healthy scratch, not recently. And he definitely is not at this point, he's one spot, but yeah. you know, the last, you know, several weeks or early on Sam Steele, quality NHL experience, also potential Ty Delandria, not necessarily a lot of experience, but quality, like fantastic potential. Um, and these are the guys that you're rotating in and out of your lineup. Conversely on the blue line, it's, Joel Hanley, and that's it, who has neither, you know, a ton of experience nor potential. And that's not like to hate on Joel Hanley or anything like that, but um, sort of to bring it and not bring it back to the Lundquist thing. You know, I just my thing and Hanley played a good game outside of the penalty <laughs> that, that he took, um, which definitely would have put him in the doghouse if you were Lundquist. But that's neither here nor there. My thing is, Gavin, is there a Joel Hanley in L.A.'s top six? No. Is there a Joel Hanley in Vegas's top six? No. No. Right. So we can go on at Boston, right? Uh, another example. So, I mean, that, that's the thing that kind of worries me going into, well, unless they can figure it out during the trade deadline. But um, I realized we were, we were talking about Fords and you mentioned Sam Steele and I'm like, oh, let's talk about Sam Steele. There's, there's somebody that's like a, a bright shining light <laughs> stuck on the fourth line, unfortunately, but you know, <laughs> well, I mean, I will, I will say this to, to Joel Hanley's credit. I mean, Hey, I'm glad he decided to stay in Dallas might've been able to make more had he gone elsewhere. But I mean, I think Joel Hanley is the kind of guy that you should put in Joel Hanley when an injury faces your blue line, or when you want to give that, that, that day off to a defenseman and Joel Hanley will come in and will do a solid job. I just don't picture him as an everyday top six. And Sean and I have talked about this and he right now is an everyday top six. I'm not saying anything bad against Joel Hanley. I mean, he, every time he's in, you know, I mean, I, I don't think he's great, but I don't think it's like, Oh, Joel Hanley's a liability on the ice. So I think he's a really good, good part of the depth of this team but i'm looking at the future as well as right now and to me that's nils lundquist and you know i mean if you're telling me joel hanley is going to be around here in four or five years playing a you know a major factor you know that's just that's not that's not realistic so um yeah uh, but stars win six, three. Um, but like I said, we're an objective podcast. We're going to call things out. We're going to say things positive, And then we're going to bring things up that maybe other podcasts just aren't. And they're going to say, all right, stars back on track. Well, the, the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, you played a bang out Detroit team and uh, who is a playoff fringe team. Um, but as we mentioned, no, no Dylan Larkin, no Perron. Those are some big hitters. 
Um, you know, the, the other aspect, uh, really good in the face-off circle tonight. Um, you know, we talk about, you know, a, might not notice Jamie Ben, but the presence was there in the face-off circle, um, which led to puck off puck possession. Saw him in front of the net tonight. So, uh, picked up an assist. I thought he, you know, did some good things tonight. So, I mean, kudos to Jamie Ben. The other one, Miro Heishkinen, um, played, you know, 25 minutes, basically 26 minutes, uh, two goals and an assist, three points. And, uh, you know, thought Miro played really well, um, tonight. So, uh, you know, there were some really, really good things and you're now facing a stretch. And this is what's interesting, David is, you know, they're facing a stretch where they face Detroit and then Ottawa and then St. Louis. I mean, good shot that it's three straight wins and six points. Um, but those once again are not the upper tier. I just want to see more consistency when facing upper tier teams. If you call yourself an upper tier team. So before kind of getting to that point, yeah. can, can we just note um, how, entertaining this rebuilding or how entertaining Detroit has been in their rebuilding phase because I was thinking about this game just kind of broadly speaking when you were kind of talking about it I'm like and I was kind of remembering like man I forgot it was only a year ago yeah (laughs) that this Red Wings team nearly clawed their way back into a game versus Toronto after trailing seven to two in the third period Uh, of course there's a really uh sort of um, for those that follow hockey and are huge hockey nerds, you're probably familiar with Steve Dangle, who has an absolutely great and hilarious reaction to the whole thing live. Um, and and this was kind of another game where it, it sort of, the, to me, the thing, when I'm looking at Dallas, and, and again, it's important to remember that, like, you know, we're not looking at Dallas through the lens of like, oh, did they win? Great. Did they lose? Oh, that sucks but more of like the standard that they've set, which is not just a cup contender, but a cup favorite. And so I thought it was a good performance. It was just kind of a little sloppy, um, not the greatest performance, but, you know, as Razor always says, they always they can't always be Picassos, yada, yada, yada. But man, like Ottawa to me is, a, where Detroit I think is an absolute paper tiger and not at all what the stand-ins reflect. I think Ottawa is the opposite. I think Ottawa is a team that is, is sits, you know, they're terrible standing wise. However, I think, you know, they, they have a lot of things going for them and yeah, I'm not saying that they're going to make the playoffs or anything like that, but that's a classic trap game. And even St. Louis is, is does these weird swings where they either look elite or just yeah. absolute, like just, you know, tanking for, for Macklin. And so, <laughs> um, we can certainly say yes. I mean, on paper, Dallas has, uh, you know, has everything lined up on a silver platter. But um, I'm not going to go that far yet, just because I think Ottinger is still in a tough stretch. Yeah, I mean, I thought I thought he made some key saves tonight. Um, but you're right; it's you know, I, I personally would like to see. I, I want Jake to play out of this. Um, I understand what they're doing as far as the scheduled sits to prolong him and make him strong for the playoffs. But right now I want to see a lot of Jake Ottinger because um, he's been a workhorse throughout his career, David, even at Boston university, he was a workhorse. And a lot of times you'd have complete weekend series that you play in hockey. East. So I, I think he's used to a lot of minutes, his whole career. So Right now, during this stretch, I want to get back to 
top seven in the league, Jake Ottinger. And, you know, we're not there right now. I mean, I think he played certainly better tonight. Um, I think his puck awareness was good. He made some, you know, really good saves. That toe save uh, on the one-timer in front was really strong. Um, but, yeah, he he is definitely not there as far as that shutdown guy that, candidly, we're used to. Gavin, are you, are you saying that we can tolerate mistakes of players and let them play for them? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a cheap. I know that's cheap and and sort of yeah, not really. I mean, not, listen, not sta- the standards but... are different with 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 younger players on this team. But you're absolutely right, and and you know certain certain players get in the doghouse, and this for some reason has always been the stars where you know certain players get in that doghouse while other young players are allowed to make mistakes, and you know that's that's that that's just the way this organization's been. I'm going to try not to like seesaw this this entire episode, uh, you know, complaining about Lundquist. Um, but um, you know, but what's funny about Andre though is that so he's on pace to play 59 games. That would only be three less than what he played last year, yeah, which was, which was 62. So I mean, if they are you know trying to like figure something out in terms of load management, uh, that's that's not what's happening. It really and to me. And, and again, maybe Andre can handle it, maybe not. I think the point is like, why even chance that? Like, you're. It's funny we're we're talking about like a lot of like various like problems and criticisms, and they're first in the central right now. Now, is that a little deceiving? Yeah, I think so. Because I would look at something like goal differential. They're third in in the central if you just look at goal differential, but um, which kind of feels more appropriate. But the point is, yeah. they're in a really good spot. They can handle a few extra Wedgwood starts, and so I, I think kind of what you're seeing is is a team that doesn't comfortably feel like they're atop the central and that's why Andre's probably getting maybe a few more starts than he should and you know if if the whole season is like this I'm just kind of well at, at what point does I don't know like management decide like hey this is not the route we're going to take we're going to sit under a few more games um, because I, th- I thought he had like a decent game as well. I agree. Like he made key saves, but again, just doesn't feel like the dude, not that I've ever felt Andre was on the level of like a Shesterkin or a right. Sorokin, but he's still an elite goalie. He's yeah. top 10 looking at the fanciest analytics going when you combine 2021 up to now. So, so Andre is an elite goalie, but, um, I, I still think that, um, I still think it's totally okay to just, give him rest and, and see where he's at, you know, later on, you know, not run him ragged. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I mean, we want Ottinger to, to get back. I mean, clearly Wedgwood will either play, you know, Friday night or Saturday. Um, So, you know, that, that'll be one game that, you know, Wedgwood and Wedgwood's played well this year. So, I mean, kudos, kudos to him. Meanwhile, in, in the AHL, Matt Murray's playing well as, as well. Um, you know, that's a, that's an interesting conversation for another time, David, whether or not Matt Murray will get his NHL regular shot with the stars. Wait a minute, are you afraid that us talking about Matt Murray for the next 30 minutes would lose <laughs> you a ton of views? And... I think there is a heightened fascination due to, uh, Logan Stankoven due to Maverick Bork due to Liam Bixel, um, in this Texas stars team. And I love watching your Twitter as you post, um, 
what the Texas stars are doing and showing these goals and everything like that. I mean, that's the future of this Dallas stars team. So yes, um, I, if Matt Murray was a third or fourth round pick, I think we'd be looking at Matt Murray in a different way. Um, by, the, by the way, uh, just, just to can I give you a preview, uh, give, give a, a, a sort of, Oh um, yeah, the spits and says an exclusive, if you will. <laughs> it's, it sounds so pompous, but uh, so um, so I'm almost finished uh, writing a, uh, a piece for tomorrow's Star Stack on the weekend that Maverick forecasts. So just so you know, statistically, there are only two other players that have had a um, or, or so Bork is on pace for 107 points, which is amazing. But the real question is, well, like how amazing historically? Uh, there are only two players in the cap era that have scored that many points in the AHL at that age, which is Michael Camilleri, very respectable career. Very um, good. Um, yeah, like nothing at all. And the other one is Jason Spezza. Um, and believe it or not, Bork's point per game rate is actually higher than Spezza's and Camilleri's right now because back then the AHL played more games. Um, Bork is only going to have the opportunity to play 71. So I just want to throw that out there. Yeah, no, absolutely right. And you look at the depth as far as centers on this team. We have Hints, we have Duchesne, we have Foxa. I mean, the, I guess the question is, <laughs> I know. I was it, was it like a little bit of like a hesitation when you mentioned Faxa. No. I mean, I mean, <laughs> I think the reality is with that contract, he's not going anywhere. But <laughs> I, I just, I, I know there has been some, a lot of people have talked like, do you trade Bork or Stankoven? And, you know, with the center depth, it'll be interesting. But um, I did want to go there with you because I personally, I don't want to trade either because I think that is the future. And I think you make a tough decision with Duchesne at the end of the year. That's just, that's me because at some point you have to trust your system rather than continuing to sign. I mean, you want that mix of veterans, but at some point to get rid of this cap strap situation you're in, you have to make tough decisions. So, okay. So let me ask you a question. Yeah. Uh, cause, cause I, I see people mention this a lot and like, I, I don't, I'm just, I'm, one of Bork's biggest fans. I've said for at least a couple of years that like, hey, uh, trust the fancy stats on this one. Don't watch the games. Because <laughs> yeah. he had really just blistering analytics his draft year. But, um, and I mean, the same is true now. Anyways, um, so Bork, and I think most people would agree with this. I don't, I don't think there's any kind of debate. Unlike Stankoven, uh, Bork is pretty much a nat natural center, um, strictly plays center. Um, hints, Sagan, Johnston, these facts, uh, these are players that are not going to be going anywhere if they right. see through their contracts anywhere, anytime soon. So why wouldn't knowing that Bork is not going to get an opportunity, for example, like next year, just for the sake of argument, why wouldn't you use Bork to, oh, okay, this is what we need to, uh, get Eric Carlson, not Eric Carlson, but you know, just like somebody that's really elite yeah. that you know can change this team overnight and solidify their status as a contender. Why wouldn't you do that? Yeah, you're not going to trade Johnston at this point. He's made too much of an impact with the big club. So you can't do that. You can't trade Fox. Uh, obviously, Rope Hints is among the top centers in the league. Um, yeah, you, you're, you're in a pickle. So I don't want to trade him, but 
you know, you might have to, you might have to dangle that. Although, you know, we've talked on this program that draft picks are the currency um, right now that everyone wants, not necessarily like, you know, I mean, a, a prospect like Bork and the season that he's putting up in the AHL certainly would be a pretty good dangle, but I want something really nice in return, uh, meaning a right shot defenseman. So do you have any uh, good candidates? You know, you're putting me on the spot, and I do appreciate that. And <laughs> By the way, while you think about the, the answer to that question, I I'm just want to be clear. Like, I do not want to trade Maverick Bork. And I think mainly it's because, well, it, it's – I think if the NHL were not a flat cap league right now, you know, maybe, maybe that might change. You know, maybe you might be a little bit more – uh, I, I think teams might be justified in being a little bit more liberal with trading some of their prospects. But of course, part of the prospects value is the fact that it's cost controlled. So that's why you yeah. just don't do it. Um, but, um, but no, I, do I want to trade Bork? No, not at all. I, I, to me, if anything, you figure out, that's all the more reason for you to figure out how to make him a center, whether it's next year or the year after that. Um, and whatever that, whatever that means, you just got to do it. However, um, I do think there is a reasonable question about like, well, you know, listen, what is a cup worth? I mean, you know, it's it's the old like Aginla Neuendijk thing. You know, what is a cup worth? So yeah. um, although although, you know, like I don't really like falling down that rabbit hole because who's to say that like Aginla doesn't play for Dallas and maybe they win a couple cups with Aginla in like 2004, 2005, whatever. When, when did Calgary go to the um, Stanley Cup playoffs? I can't remember that. Um, was it 2005 when they went to the cup? Yeah. Was that against Tampa? I want to say yes. Yes, it was against yeah. Tampa. Yeah, yeah because yeah. Aginla and uh, Vinny LeCavalle fought. Yeah. Yeah. And that was like a big deal. Or right? two captains duking it out. Mortal yeah. Kombat. You know, <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Okay. Here are, here are a couple names that a lot of people don't know. Uh, I take you to Arizona. I take you to right-handed defenseman Sean Dersey. Uh, I also take you to Michael Kesselring, two young guys that aren't necessarily on the map as far as like premium defensemen, but they're both young. So they both have service years left. Um, so you're getting control. Uh, Kesselring, six foot four, he's got good size. Dersey uses, you know, all of his six feet as far as physicality. Um, you know, Matt Dumba is a right-handed defenseman, but to me, Dumba is like more of a loner kind of situation. He would provide some physicality, but to me, it's like, if I'm sending someone young, I want someone young. So that's why I was thinking Dersey or Kesselring. You know what? Like I'm, I'm, I, I gotta say I'm impressed, Gavin. I, Kesselring <laughs> is not a name I would have expected. He's looked good too. Yeah, like, really good. Like, and, and not just like a big guy, but like, he's got speed. Seems to have some decent like puck shops. Yep. Kind of wondering what he, you know, uh, I don't know where he was picked, but like, seems like a real diamond in the road. Yeah, 2018. Uh, you know, I am reading this. I don't know it off the top of my head. <laughs> in the uh, sixth <laughs> round from Edmonton was traded. I do know he was traded to Arizona in part of a trade. When uh, I, I don't know who Arizona gave up to Edmonton, but he was uh, he was part of it. So, yeah, I mean, 11 games this year, uh, six points plus two on the ice and. Um, yeah, so, um, getting regular playing time and, uh, you know, he's probably, you know, I'm looking at his time on ice, David, and it's 
between 11 and 14 minutes a game on average. So do you think this is, do you think that's the move? The move is to, um, you know, the move is to basically kind of shore up the depth. You're not going to like reinvent the wheel. You're not going to go after Chris Tanev. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Hey, those, those guys are great. What I, the reason I'm interested in this is I want to solve the issue of Miro not being on his strong side. And I would like to see a bigger defenseman with Miro to allow him a little bit more roaming. I think with, you know, I think with the suitor situation, um, it just seems as though he's having to play, you know, keep an eye and play more defensive hockey. And he's not allowing just, you know, his free skating ability to happen because he's so concerned in the defensive zone. So to me, I want to see what happens when Miro runs a little bit more free, knowing that he has someone. I mean, I'll be honest. I mean, Miro's had great years since Jamie Alexiak, but I really did like that combo because, you know, Alexiak to me freed up space for Miro. Oh, you know, it's funny. Like, I hated that combo. Really? But only because that's where the whole weak side thing started. Yeah, yeah, true, true. Uh, uh, but no, no, like, Alexiak was, he wasn't who he is now, but, like, he was absolutely developing into that. And and I remember thinking they were they were a pretty strong pair. I, I think it's just, the, the thing that just boggles my mind is that, you know, he's he's been in the league for, you know, for a really young guy. Like, he's had quite a few seasons. And you would think that, that would have given Dallas the blueprint. I realize, like, you know, certain things are just like in some ways, like, you know, a roster is also kind of a matter of like sort of dominoes falling and just sort of the cap, um, you know, just kind of falling into place in a way that allows you to make the changes you want. Uh, although I think that's kind of a lazy excuse, but whatever. But you would think they would have a blueprint for what exactly they need at this point. And I'm not sure that. I'm not sure they know, and I'm not sure that one move alone is going to – like, I, I like those names. Kesselring, Dursey. Um, I'm just not sure, like, one move is going right. to shift this entire blue line in a way that it needs to because, again, like, I just go back to, like, hey, this this team is getting really good results. However, I still think they're just getting decent performances. And decent is not the standard. Good results, not even necessarily the standard – um, I guess first in the central, you know, what can I really say? But it just, you know, we've we've seen this team. We've watched every game. Like it's and it's kind of been a story of slow starts, late period collapses, couldn't beat good teams. Now you're beating good teams, but you know, it just it, nothing's like it doesn't they don't feel uh um you know, they haven't formed Voltron, so to speak. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner, check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, yeah, no, I understand what you're saying. And, you know, tonight was an interesting example as well. Like the first few minutes, Stars had a lot of puck possession and cycled a lot. Oh, a change of pace. (laughs) But with no shots on net and it was just you know passing going behind the net and everything and and, you know i mean and then detroit goes down and and scores because they were getting better you know they had four shots on uh, andre at that point so 
like to me, it's like, you know, I appreciate that they're keeping it in the zone. And it did appear as though Detroit was worn down toward the end of the night. And I thought the stars actually were pretty strong in that third period. Um, you know, I just want more quality chances toward the middle. And I wanted to get your opinion on that. I just feel like a lot of those shots were either coming from the point, trying to get through or kind of from the corners, not necessarily penetrating, um, you know, in front, uh, tonight. Now, as the game moved along, I felt as though that changed and they did have some good quote unquote, dirty area presence. Ben got in there. And, you know, the Pavelski goal was a nice tip and, you know, it was good to see him in front of the net. So I felt as though that changed as the move, as the uh, game moved along. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because that, that was, that's kind of one of the things sort of like, especially in the first period, they actually got a high cycle going. I'm like, wow, yeah. they know what they know what that is. That's, that's <laughs> awesome. That's, and I'm all know. about that, but I mean, at some point you got to put quality shots on the net. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's the, the Colorado does it well, but that's because they have a mobile elite blue line. Yeah. Um, and, and so like, it, it was kind of nice to see though. Like if, if anything, I think that was the most positive development in the game, which was seeing Dallas mix up their attack. Um, you know, one of the things that uh, that was really that has really always been relevant in in sort of the Vegas games between Dallas is that when you look at Vegas's blue line, it's not like it's you know Vegas doesn't have Colorado's blue line. You don't have like a bunch of puck movers back there. A lot of those guys are just really big, like McNabb, White Cloud, Hague. Yeah. And um, but they still play a clean breakout game in part because they allow themselves to regroup. Um, and so, and that's something that I feel like Dallas doesn't do enough of. They, they always want to go sort of North South and they want to try to attack off the rush. They don't have the blue line to do that though. And it's the same thing that kind of bothers me when I see, you know, guys like, uh, uh, and Paw, Sutter, Lindell, although he scored tonight, uh, you yep. know, pinch, which is that, well, you know, movement is not the same thing as opportunity. And so I wouldn't mind seeing them slow things down just because, well, I mean, that's just how your roster is built. And so, Seeing them get a cycle going, I thought was, hey, I, I think that's sure you didn't get a lot of shots off, but you effectively maintained possession and um, and it looks like everybody was in sync. So I, I thought that was really good. And of course, um, I, I think that's probably the key more than anything kind of moving forward, which is DeBoer figuring out what this what, you know, style and what system and tactics are going to work best with this kind of really mixed roster, you know, especially on the blue line. I mean, the, the forward group less so, but, um, but I was actually quite happy with the, with that development and seeing them kind of cycle the puck again, how much of that is on sort of Detroit who was just, Oh my God, I have seen like better breakouts in the MHL and this, but again, you know, not to completely discredit Dallas for doing what they did. So if they can mix up their attack like that, I'm actually, quite hopeful that, uh, you know, maybe something like this evolves and, and maybe kind of better fits the blue line they have, because I mean, most of the guys on the back end can't facilitate the puck up ice. So, you know, if they slow it down and Dallas is just a little bit more boring to watch, but they're much more effective and, and um, uh, I'm trying to like, my brain is just, you know, short circuiting, but, um, but you know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. And you know what? Um, good news detroit did not get behind them tonight uh so that's an improvement 
Um, I did think Detroit did something that Vegas has done extremely effective against the stars. And if I was the opposing coach, I probably would do this is deep forechecking and go hard on those stars defensemen and, you know, pin them up against the boards and win those puck battles. But it's one of the toughest things to do in hockey to sustain that kind of pressure throughout the game. And I think the stars did a good job with their outlets as the game moved along. But those first couple of minutes, and that was the Detroit first goal. You had Suter up against the boards. You won the puck, found an open guy streaking in, and it's one nothing Detroit. So I, personally, if I'm a coach, if I'm Ottawa coming in on Friday night, I'm kind of looking at that tape and saying, this is what we need to do against this stars team as far as try to pin them deep and try to win the puck battles because teams have shown you know, that the stars, you know, and, and listen, when I say the stars can be physical, I'm not calling them soft in any way. I just don't think their makeup is as one of those teams that exerts physicality and they, they're not as big on the blue line as some other teams. Which is odd because you have Lindell and Sutter playing almost like 20 minutes a night. Yeah, absolutely. Situations. But, yeah. but they're not, they're not those, they're not, um, they're not psychopaths and and there are quite a few teams in the nhl that have psychopaths on the blue line like a ratko gudas yeah um, and and so it's it's funny how that works out where you have um i mean i don't know like where like dallas compares um you know in terms of like you know the average weight on their blue line i would imagine it's like above average um but um but yeah it's 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 funny how that kind of works out and i think it's it's also it's also a testament to the system that DeBoer tries to run, which is, hey, we need to break out of the zone as quickly as possible. So regardless of what you want to do, this is how we're going to do it. And, um, you know, it, it's still but, you know, kind of going back to what you said, like it's it's also the thing. It's a strength, but it's also a weakness. And, um, you know, Vegas really just kind of, you know, wrote the playbook on yep. on how to, to attack. You could say Seattle did really, but um you know how to attack dallas which is you know as long as you can slow them down on breakouts it's it's going to be they're going to be ice skating uphill from there but it's it's a weird thing with dallas because they're also just too talented to outright lose to either like better tactics or a better roster because you never know when jake odger will shut the gates you never know if the top line which you know we haven't talked about the top line you know it's, it's kind of has been slow going too you know we're talking about johnson and ben but um but I mean, they can take over a game, and you never know if Sam Steele is going to take over a game because I thought he was great tonight. I just want to really mention good. the stick tap for Sam Steele in in a really fantastic night. And again, I was like a big fan of that sign. And um, I, I thought I think people forget also that in the Minnesota series, Sam Steele's line was the most yep uh, most productive line. I think that Minnesota had even more than Kaprizov because they were famously just pretty much shut out. But yeah. um, yeah, he's not old either. I mean, the, the reason Minnesota just couldn't keep him based on salary. I mean, they're 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 one of the more cap strapped teams in the NHL. So um, <laughs> why I, was that? I wonder why. Yeah, <laughs> that's a uh, <laughs> well, the first defensive pairing is all we need to know about <laughs> about that. I, I guess my other like thing that I brought up, David, is like. 
as far as, you know, what we saw tonight was, you know, Dallas stars, offensive production, defensemen into the offensive zone, you know, um, being proactive, a lot of shots on net, trying to get shots through, um, you know, my thing like long-term that I do have a concern about is what happens when the offense isn't there. I don't know if you have the defensive stability to, you know, win a game one to nothing unless, you know, Ottinger improves his play. And what happens when a team comes out and wants to push you around? Do you have that pushback mentality? So, you know, one thing that impresses me so much about Vegas and thus they're Stanley Cup champions, and I know, you know, easy to say, we'll just replicate the Vegas blueprint is they're multidimensional in my opinion. You know, if you want to go offense for offense, you know, Vegas can put up six or seven on you. If you want to get physical, Vegas can get really physical. You know, netminder against netminder, not a problem. So, I mean, they just have... Like they're a multi-dimensional team as far as ways they can win, and I, th- I think you know you can even sort of if you feel like, if you're someone that feels like oh well you know Vegas, ah, they got lucky, and you know sort of Dom Lustician at the Athletic kind of you know famously wrote an article saying exactly that, not to take credit away, just that oh statistically there were some outliers, right? Um, however, uh, which you know I, I kind of kind of disagree with. I, I think Vegas is. I mean, this is a team that has made the playoffs. Uh, every single year in their existence, outside, of course, the last DeBoer year in which injuries were the reason, but whatever. Um, but even if you want to ignore Vegas, you can look at a team that's very similarly built and probably even better, uh, which is L.A. L.A. is another example of a team that has like they have this they have depth and they have a blue line that's just like the right mix. Uh, between, you know, giving you offense, but also giving you defense. And I think the sort of, you know, the, and that's one of the things that we kind of, that sometimes get missed, missed, that sometimes gets missed in these discussions about Dallas's blue line, um, which is sure, you know, I'll like sometimes pile in on Sutter. And I I don't think Hawk and Paw has necessarily, you know, had the greatest year. Um, However, I think for the most part in a vacuum, these are totally fine defenders. The problem is that they are limited defenders. And I think that really is really emphasized whenever they do try to, you know, create offense from the back end. Whereas you look at LA's, you know, LA's blue line. Yeah. You have guys that can play strong defense, like, like uh, Waugh and Anderson, of course, Gavrikov, but these guys can move too. They're very mobile. Um, Dowdy to a lesser extent, who just like Pavelski just, you know, refuses to age. Yeah. And so I think, you know, for as much as we kind of, hope that like oh well chris tanif is the answer or um you know like say a sean dersey whatever the case may be i think what you're going to need is you're going to need two of these guys like more than one coming into this particular blue line to kind of create a lineup that may be able to resemble something like a vegas um and so so i I think that's kind of the thing that that you'd like to see which is just more mobility and and if that happens maybe to unlock something um, but like until then, man, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm not convinced that this is, um, uh, we're going to bring it back to, to the negative camp until this team fixes the blue line. I just can't, I can't take them seriously as a contender, not because I don't think they're good. I think they're very good, but very good is not going to beat LA or right. Vegas 
Um, and, you know, maybe even to a lesser extent, Colorado, even though I think they're kind of a little wonky, that's still a very dangerous team. And if they're going into a playoff series versus Colorado, I think Dallas, I think it's a winnable matchup, but I'm not betting on Dallas. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, you know, as this season moves along, we'll look at playoff positioning um, because for the stars, you know, like you just said it. So you just answered my question. Do you want to play Vegas? Heck no. Do you want to play Vancouver? No, thanks. Do you want to play the LA Kings? No, thanks. And oh, by the way, who sits fourth Edmonton Oilers who are playing better hockey right now. So it's, it is interesting. The Pacific division, you know, we talk about how strong the central has been in years past the Pacific right now. I mean, those top three, um, are very, very tough. I would not want to face the top three in the playoffs. I know you have to eventually, but. Also, just imagine if Edmonton gets a goalie before the trade deadline. Yeah. Like that, that's also a team that scares me because, um, listen, it wasn't that long ago that they were considered, you know, a genuine cup contender. And, um, and of course, there's also a team that has still played beyond. LA, LA was a team that until recently had awful goaltending, but they still made the playoffs, which is why I'm scared of them because Cam Talbot is fantastic this year. So, you know, Edmonton, yeah, it's, 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 I mean, the thing that Dallas fans can kind of take solace in is that, well, hopefully they just eat each other and then, you know, Dallas just has to worry about whatever's left. But I mean, Dallas is, you know, they're in a tough boat too. You know, it's, even though the central is not strong, um, you know, Winnipeg is, is looking granted they have some injuries, but you know, they'll get their forwards back in time for the playoffs and they're looking pretty good. Oh, absolutely. And you know, I mean, the team we face tonight, uh, I'll be interested if Steve Eiserman says like, Hey, you know what? We're in this race. Let's see what we can do as far as getting ourselves a, a, a goaltender to shore up that position because, you know, they're in an interesting situation where, you know, you look at them tonight and clearly, you know, they were shorthanded. However, um, that's a team that is on the rise. I think I love their coach. I love Derek Lalonde. I think he's terrific. He's won his whole career, learned under John Cooper, uh, was terrific, you know, coming up through the ranks of hockey, um, very successful in the minor leagues as well. And it's just one of those things as does Iserman want to pull the trigger or does he say, you know what, we're in the rebuilding stage too, because I think this has happened a little bit faster than expected. You know, it's, it's interesting because I, I think that's something that's pretty, that happens more often than we maybe sometimes kind of assume. Sure. And I think also, I hate to do this to you, Gavin. I'm going to bring it back to Lundquist. I think also what sort of figures into um, a team's development plans um, in reverse, right? Where it's like, I don't think Dallas figured they were going to be as good as they were last year, which was before they traded for Lundquist. And then so all of a sudden, of course, you know, the pressure to, you know, win every game and make the most of it you know, gets, gets, um, you know, ratchets up. And so your young players get scrutinized because those are always the easiest players to, um, uh, you know, like scratch or, or just replace via the trade deadline. Um, and so I, I don't, I think for Detroit, I don't think that, you know, it's funny. Like I still feel like Detroit is playing a kind of, okay. Even assuming when they're healthy, playing a somewhat inferior lineup 
I, I think Edvinson absolutely belongs on that blue line. Um, and uh, Sarbwam, I feel like, is is a player that could easily figure into their bottom six. Um, I, I don't think his his last stretch of you know NHL games was so disastrous that you just kind of leave him out of that um, out of that lineup entirely. But um, but yeah, you know, it's this is this is like <laughs> this is when NHL GMs get crazy uh, when they sort yeah. of feel like, oh well, hey, you know. Um, having a chance to make the playoffs is the same as winning the Stanley cup, right? Okay. Well then let's go for it. <laughs> you know, and I, Of course that's not true, but that's the itch. And whenever they need to scratch it, um, chaos ensues. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, I was just looking up and he does have one more year left on his contract, but man, Seattle's just going through a tough time this year. And what about Adam Larson? He's a, he's a good that that's like oh man you're you're coming at me with names that I like I'm just I'm so like focused on Chris Tanev um, as well you should be by the way because the dude can block with any body part. <laughs> I mean I'm not I mean you want him to be healthy though in time for the playoffs so I mean yeah. I'm not sure that's the greatest but yes um, warrior um, but um, another name like Larson is a, another really and of course often unfairly criticized because he was a centerpiece in the Taylor Hall trade. Sure was, yeah. Which for, you know, like, um, I, I keep having to, like, qualify some of these statements because I feel like only Stars fans listen to Spits and Suds. And maybe that's not true at all. Maybe just hockey people will listen to hockey podcasts. So I'm going to assume people know what I'm talking about. But um, he's a guy that just has done, has been a quality defenseman, pretty much exactly what dallas needs which is somebody that can that can make plays with the puck they can facilitate a facilitate it up ice they're not scared of the puck um they can actively handle it and yet is still responsible in his own zone um so yeah i'm, I'm surprised i just his name hasn't even crossed my mind yeah, i just fair watching chris can take pucks to the face you know that's googly eyes for that you know, my thing with Tanif, and rightfully so, because, heck, I would love Tanif, David. I think that's a great name to throw out there. I think the biggest thing with Tanif is about seven or eight teams are going to want him, too, because he's just so popular in the room, and he's just one of those guys that puts his body on the line. I mean, and who who doesn't want that? You know, we thought we were getting that a few years back with old Chris Russell. <laughs> Chris, oh god! <laughs> I was like, "Who the hell's?" Oh yes, yes, the uh, the, the guy know, he, that yeah, he went on to play for several years after that. You know, I mean, but he was the stars picked him up at the time he was leading the league and shots blocked. No, no, no. So he only played. Uh, so I remember, I remember this because uh, what I think I think Jim Neal gave up. Um, Give a pretty decent pick. Yeah. And Chris Russell only played for that stretch for the playoffs and then a few regular season games. They didn't bring him back. That was that was a season that I thought was really weird. It's like Dallas 2015-2016, Dallas makes playoffs, makes a lot of noise. And then Jim Neal literally lets half the blue line go. Um, between like uh Chris Russell, Goligoski, and I can't remember who the other one was, but um but yeah, I mean, I I distinctly remember uh Peter. Chiarelli uh, <laughs> defending Chris Russell from a lot of the criticism that, hey, man, his analytics look bad. And he's like, yeah, but he blocks a lot of shots. And we have these proprietary stats that actually say he's great. And, of course, that just wasn't true. Like, Chris Russell was, <laughs> you know, which he was fine. 
you know, he was he was like the Joel Hanley of his time, but yeah. um, just was not the defenseman that you need. Uh, by the way, do you think Chris Tanev makes Dallas a cup favorite? Uh, not a favorite, but improved odds. I think they're already a favorite in some people's minds. Um, I think that people that look from the outside that might not watch every game, um, because they look at the stats and they look at the players involved. Um, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but, um, he does really improve that blue line. I I mean, mean, I think. And I also, sorry, I was going to say, I think people also kind of think of, they, they look at, they say, look at Tanev and they maybe see here like a stat sheet, not all that impressive. Um, and don't realize just how territorial he is. You know, like, by the way, people, I know you're used to seeing, uh, you know, Sutter and Hawk and Pop, but you can be a shutdown defenseman and still be able to move the puck, handle it, skate up ice, et cetera. Oh, man, I just dissed Sutter and Hawk and Pop. I'm sorry. Like I, I, I promised <laughs> not to talk on this podcast like I do on Twitter, and I just made an exception. But I mean, it's, listen, Tanif is an elite defense. Like he really is an elite shutdown defenseman. So no disrespect to those two. Probably a little bit, but nonetheless, um, sure, uh, sure, yeah. I, I, but I'm curious if you think that would be enough. Let's say they rematch Vegas. Lineups the same. Vegas did nothing at the deadline. But Dallas has a TANF. <laughs> well, let me throw this at you. Um, and you would know best. Pick up TANF, call up Bixel. And I don't think they could, like salary-wise, and I don't think, uh, you know, who would, who would DeBoer and Nil sit. However, now I'm intrigued. That's uh well so so of course you know Big Cell's in uh, uh Sweden right now. However, right. he can't like his season's going to end correct um, before uh, the Texas Stars season ends. So technically, it's possible. Uh, actually, not even technically, it is it is possible, and that's actually the plan. But anyways, um, I I would say yes. I would say yes because mainly because I think because Big Cell reminds me so much of Tanif. The way he's able to make reads in the defensive zone, yep. allowing Dallas to theoretically allow Dallas to break out with speed. Um, yes, absolutely. Like I think also I'm just I'm like I'm a big style truther. Now he had like a tough stretch of games uh that week that he was gonna leave for um Sweden, which is you know, um, some people find kind of um uh, sort of fortuitous. I don't think so because I'm like, well, if he knew he was gonna play since the beginning, how's that explain all the other fantastic games he had uh, in Texas. But I do believe Big Soul is a lot like Tanif. And um, usually I'm not one for like comps. And I, I feel like also kind of just lofty expectations. You kind of want to avoid those. No, Big Soul is the real deal. Believe the hype. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I want spits and suds. Um, and we'll, you know, let's end on an analytical um, conversation because, you know, you and I um, have had talks about analytics and the one thing, you know, for instance, Vancouver, I think they saw what team they had, but they went and picked up um, Zadorov, and they have him paired on a third line pairing 
defensively with Tyler Myers. Those are some big boys. And I think Vancouver is getting ready for when that ice shrinks in the playoffs. They know the physicality is going to be ramped up. And that's why I'm saying Bixel, and that's why I'm saying Tanif. I think the combo, you know, helps certainly because we all saw what happened to the Stars. They made it to the Western Conference Final. That's fine. But, you know, I mean, you could clearly see the playbook was out that, you know, struggling in the especially, you know, getting the puck out of their zone. Uh, losing puck battles along the board. So um had the chance to interview Frank Provenzano on Friday. If you get a chance, go back, listen to his spits and suds, a couple highlights, talks about the Mike Madonna situation, leaving uh, the Sean Avery, fascinating to me from a management standpoint, the meetings that they had that Frank talks about, uh, also talks about the legal way that they tanked as far as when he was with Washington, um, getting uh, a Vetchkin, um, that year, uh, number one pick in the draft. So just some real good pull back the curtain uh, management. But David, you picked up on something when I asked Frank, who's known for his analytics, <laughs> and I asked him about plus and minus. <laughs> no, I know. I know because we'll be here for another hour. <laughs> but I did find it fascinating that Frank did say, you know, it's not, I forget how he put it, but he said that, it's basically the starting point to look at a deeper dive in analytics. And I thought that was kind of fascinating. So not neglecting it totally, but saying, Hey, you can't read into this 100%. And I, I, no, <laughs> shoot at me, buddy. <laughs> See that, that to me is just craziness. Like that's not like to me, like, and by the way, I, I was, <laughs> I was listening to what he said and, and he had a lot of like really smart things to say. I'm like, I'm not like here to disagree with like a former general manager in professional hockey, but maybe a little, uh, which is that, you know, plus my, the problem with plus my is precisely that it's just noise. And I, what I thought was interesting is that y'all started to kind of talk about some of the higher level analytics yeah. and, you know, he kind of talks about, well, you know, these are also important. Like, you know, he kind of mentions expected goal share. These are important. And then he talks about like, but you need to consider context. And I'm like, how is that any different than plus minus? Then the context of plus minus leaves you without. And I would say the same thing is true of video. Um, you know, I've, I've done like quite a few, you know, any piece of information you can leverage for either more or less understanding. So whether it's plus minus, some fancy stats, or even video. And I feel like people tend to sort of think of video as like the sort of ultimate arbiter. But I've had like a lot of articles where I did sort of video breakdowns and people in the comments um, disagree. I think in part because, well, you know, two people can look at the same thing and see different um, outcomes or different causes. I mean, you look at any given play, you know, you think about like the sort of breakdown on that first goal. And yes, like Sutter is certainly the first player that jumps out. Um, especially since like he was the reason that Miro Heiskanen had to sort of defend the counter rush to begin with. But there are a lot of other things that have to happen in order for that breakdown to lead to a man wide open in the slot beating the goaltender. And so, uh, so, so that's kind of like, <laughs> that's kind of my thing. Like plus minus is just the laziest version of that. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but, but no, I mean, like, I, I think it's, it's, you know, every information, I, the reason why I favor anal uh, like analytics is just because I think, I think in order to sort of better understand the game, like, yes, you want to look at it um, at that sort of macro or the micro level, but 
the analytics allow you to kind of look at it through the through the macro level. And I think you really need those two in tandem kind of working. And um, yeah, man, that's that's why just, you know, don't don't leave. I mean, like, <laughs> by the way, I'm pretty sure Hawk and Paul last I checked was plus six. Right. Leads the team in plus minus. Yeah. Um, granted, we could just do this all day, but I'm just saying. No, and, and that's and, and and I agree with you on that point. I do think the the one thing I'll say about analytics and what I'd like to do is a show with you where you tell us the analytics that you look at and why so that, you know, because one of the things that I try to do on spits and suds is simplify the game so that, you know, it can be inclusive for everyone. So it's like, oh, OK, I understand that you know, that part, but that's like a, basically it's a podcast in itself as far as a, a, a teaching lesson. Um, the only thing that I kind of struggle with, with analytics is those players that might not test well. However, when they go to teams, they tend to, you know, that team just magically ends up going on a run. And I think of players like Pat Maroon, who analytically probably does not show up well however you hear things and it's like you know good room guy glue guy willing to drop the gloves willing to get in front of the net and for some reason can't score during the regular season but come a game seven well he's your top scorer that kind of thing well yeah i mean i think it's there are a lot of factors that influence a player's performance than just simply you know their shot impacts and so I think, you know, part of that is part of that are just, you know, what you might call latent variables, right? Um, you know, these are things that don't factor into, um, you know, sort of the bottom line value. Um, but, you know, it just depends on how much value you place on that. You know, what is it, what's, uh, what's it worth to pursue a player like that? And of course, um, you know, beyond that, like, well, you know, what is it worth to be good in the locker? Uh, Ryan Sutter is really good in the locker. Um, and, and by the way, I mean that sincerely, I know that's kind of like kind of backhanded given the context, but you know, he did, um, the, uh, the outside, what was it the outside practice last year, um, yeah. that, uh, that he was responsible for. Yeah. Um, so, so yes, there's such a thing as, as, you know, sort of the kind of culture and community and building that sort of those vibes and that spirit. Um, but <laughs> you know, it's what is what what's a player's bottom line value when it comes to the what happens on ice and i think those are just two different discussions yeah um, i'm excited i think it's going to be a good podcast that we do at some point where you educate our you know our spits and suds listeners on you know the deep dives that you do and and why and I, i'm they don't I'm hear about wins above replacement Come i think on. they actually do uh, do they? yeah because absolutely because i fully admit i'm old school guy i i am like craig ludwig guy when it when it comes to hockey and sometimes i get caught up in that too much um i I do think that, you know, physicality is can be a major part of the game, but I feel as though, and this is me raising my hand, sometimes I get too wrapped up in physicality. Um, I, I like those heavy teams that, that can score but force the opposition to make mistakes. That's why I'm a fan of Vegas, and that's why I was a fan of the St. Louis Blues when they went on to win a cup. So, um, And I do think, like, teams that fortify themselves in those areas you know mainly you know tampa picks up maroon um colorado picks up uh, manson 
for their uh, blue line run. Then they pick up Taves as well on the blue line. Those are bigger, stronger defensemen. So, you know, that that's the kind of game that I like. So, yes, I would like to. I will be there with a notepad as well, my friend. <laughs> okay, so, so I see you did, were not was not a fan of, like, the Pittsburgh teams or the... <laughs> no you mean you mean like which one the the crosby teams and the lemieux teams yeah they, they had small blue you know even colorado you know when they won the cup had a really small blue line you know, you're talking about like sam gerard and yeah uh, you know kale mccarr you know so that to me is always the thing which is are you leveraging your the roster that you have to its maximum maximum effect yeah and and i think that's where teams kind of like kind of falter which is they feel like they have i think toronto is a good example of a team that for years felt like oh we have to add this so let's get wayne simmons oh we have to add this yeah so let's get uh, and then of course <laughs> it like this year man we really need toughness let's get ryan reeves <laughs> you know and it's <laughs> he's great sean always, sean always gives me the business he's like oh there's the ryan reeves plug <laughs> <laughs> by the way he, he like he he seems like he's like fantastic to listen to and and yeah when you talk about the human element like there's a good example of a guy that you would absolutely like want um you know in a locker room on your team uh shooting the breeze with but um hey <laughs> he's not gonna help you win games so yeah, yeah it, what do you want <laughs> yeah i was <laughs> Yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. But I think it's a different podcast for another uh, for, for another time. But hey, the Stars win 6-3 and, you know, back on the winning track. That's good. Uh, Ottinger looked better, but we both agree, you know, definitely needs to improve. Um, defenseman heavy into the offensive zone tonight. Didn't let get any pucks get behind him. A banged up Detroit team, but that's okay. Uh, solid two points. And as David pointed out, they're in first place. It's fascinating. It really, it, it really is. And I still throw out there, you know, the quality wins. And David, I think probably we're still at one or two, the New York Rangers and Tampa I guess Bay. Winnipeg. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I would say those two. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I guess Tampa, even though they're down, but I mean, I think that was a solid win. So yeah, it's just, it's, it's a fascinating season and, um, you know, it, it's just, it's really interesting. Did also want to point out, boy, what a difference this stars team is when Rupe Hintz is back in the lineup. I mean, granted he's one of their best players, but certainly, you know, when he's not there and you have to move lines around, it seems like there's a big impact because that's twice now that, you know, the stars, when they shuffle their lineup, just, you know, don't look as good without Hintz. And it, it's, it's an obvious thing, but I mean, I definitely wanted to point it out. And what a different team this looks, or what a difference, uh, sort of, um, I, I, like, I don't know why I can't construct senses all of a sudden, but I was going to try to, like, follow your lead, but I was going to point out, yes, hints, but also Heiskanen internalizing all that criticism and frustration that's been building up over the month and just unleashing it all in one game. Yeah, yeah, I played, played well tonight, and, you know, hopefully, you know, we can we can build on this. We've kept David for too long, folks, um, and that's never a bad thing. So let's give a plug. He doesn't like it when we give plugs, but the reality is, is him and Sean and and others that come on this podcast, are, I'm so appreciative of their time. So um, Star Stack is the Substack, and what Substack is is basically you can subscribe and get kind of fresh information from David, and uh, Sean has one as well. 
and you know um he can he'll throw articles at you and different things and so it's like it's it's a really good way to get kind of stars interesting insight analytics so that's at star stack and you can go to uh david's twitter and you can find out uh that information he also writes for d magazine and you know support d magazine because d magazine is putting out more hockey coverage really than anyone from a print standpoint in town and that's really cool to see so um, you know, kudos to D magazine and Sean does stuff as well as David. So when you get a chance and if David has a new article on, just click on it and show the editors of D magazine that you support, uh, David, my friend, it is always great to spend time with you. Thank you so much for your time. I love your insight tonight. I know we were kind of all over the place, but I think that's what kind of makes spits and suds interesting. Um, because we went kind of behind the game tonight and yes, it was six to three, but we gave tidbits that I think hopefully spits and suds, you know, fans will listen to and say, oh, okay, you know, all right. So six to three is good, but at the same time need to work on this, this, and this all over the place. Sounds a lot like the Dallas stars. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you know, like I said, we're, you know, my fear, even when I tweet at times is I don't want people to feel as though I'm a stars hater. Um, and I probably don't say this enough. Um, I am going on my 20th year of having season tickets to the Dallas stars. I don't go as much as I once did based on this podcast, but I do support the Dallas stars, you know, myself. And, uh, I like sitting with, um, I like sitting with people in the stands and I also like meeting people in between periods. So, you know, I try not to be a hater, but I always thought to myself, I want to be a realist. And so that's why I started this podcast so people can listen and learn. Well, I don't have season tickets and that's how you know that I'm actually a hater at heart. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yes, that's the line, right? If you don't have season tickets, you hate the stars. <laughs> Some someone very wise told me once there are seventeen thousand fans in hop hockey in LA, and they all happen to go to the game. <laughs> all right, my friend, get some rest, and thank you once again for joining us tonight. Thank you. All right, that's going to be another edition of Spits and Suds. We have a big week of Spits and Suds. We have some guests coming up. It's going to be awesome. Once again, if you can go back, check out the Frank Provenzano uh, interview. Uh, was the assistant GM of the Caps, worked for the Vancouver Canucks, and also your Dallas Stars. So some really cool hockey stories and insights. Forgot to even mention when they drafted uh, Jack Campbell, why they Jack drafted Jack Campbell instead of Cam Fowler. So those little kind of nuggets that Frank throws out there. Um, yeah, that didn't turn out as well as we would have liked. Uh, so thanks uh, one and all for listening to Spits and Suds. We'll talk to you soon.